Hello and welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. My name is James Early. Thanks so much for joining me today. Each week we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to the deep spiritual lessons of God's love for each one of us and how to live that love in our daily lives. The goal is to get back to the original Christianity of Jesus with his focus on healing and salvation and his message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's jump right in. Welcome again to the Bible Speaks to Podcast. This is episode number 15. Our topic today is how to stop fighting your brother and love him instead. So this is going to get a little personal. I'm going to tell you some things that happened in the past, and I'm actually very glad that they're in the past and not still with me in the present. When I was a kid growing up, I had a younger brother, three and a half years younger, and we fought a lot. It was really all my fault. It got really bad at times. We shared a bedroom, and we disagreed on a whole lot of stuff. And I would often fight with him for no reason, just because he made me mad. I say he made me mad. I lost my temper. It was not his fault. It was my fault. I can't even remember now what he did that upset me, but I would get upset and I would lose my temper and hit him and complain and all that sort of thing. It really frustrated my parents. In fact, we moved to a new house when I was in about the fourth grade because that gave us each our own private bedroom and they thought that might help us. Well, the only thing that helped was that we both did not like the new house, and so we made a list of all the things we didn't like and the one or two things that we did like. And that brought us together a little bit, but it really did not solve the problem. I was a frustrated kid for who knows what reasons. I was not really comfortable with myself, and I took it out on my little brother. Sometimes he could just look at me, not even trying to annoy me, but I would get annoyed. Now, there were lots of times when we played nicely together, but sometimes it did not take much for something my brother did to spark my anger or my temper, and I just didn't have much self-control. And as I said, my parents were really pretty worried. This kept going on for years through grade school, junior high school, and even for the first year of high school. I had always gone to church, and we had a Bible devotional at home. And we talked about the Bible and God a lot. And I prayed the best I knew how. And I read the Bible some for myself. But I hadn't really made my faith my own. I really hadn't made a commitment in any sort of way. I was just kind of going along with that because that's what I'd been brought up in. Well, when I was in about the 10th grade, I really got serious about my faith and made a commitment to follow Jesus in the most sincere way I could I started reading the Bible every day, and I was growing in my faith. It was all new. I tried to be a better person. I tried to do everything the right way. I tried to do things the way that were more loving and that sort of thing. It really made a difference in my life. I felt a change in my life. But there was one particular week when I had a real epiphany, and it was not pleasant at first. My church puts out a weekly Bible study, and so one week in this Bible study program, there was the phrase from 1 John that says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Well, in my heart, I sure thought I loved God. I was trying to do everything God wanted me to. 
but I did not love my brother. I didn't hate him, but I really did not like him. I did not like the way he aggravated me, as again, I mean, the way I let myself get aggravated by him. I did not appreciate some of the attitudes he had about things. We disagreed on some stuff. That's normal. That's okay. But it would upset me, and I really did not love him. But the first time I read that passage from 1 John about loving your brother and loving God, I thought, oh my gosh, I am a liar because I say I love God, but I do not love my brother. And it hit me right between the eyes. I have to love my brother. Oh no, how am I going to do that? Well, I actually thought, okay, you know what? I do love God. This is something that I can do. This is something that I can learn how to do. I can learn to love my brother. And I actually started treating him more lovingly. And surprisingly enough, our relationship got better. Who could have imagined that? Well, everyone noticed a difference in the family, and I think especially my brother. And it was hard work. I had to consciously not lose my temper with him. I was just insecure. I started looking at him differently. I started realizing he's a child of God, and I can love him. God made him, and God made me. And We're brothers, not just in our family, but in the eyes of God as well. We're all part of God's family. And as I said, I started to have a genuine sense of affection for him. I went months and months without ever losing my temper. I only lost my temper with him once after that, and we are good friends now. We have a wonderful relationship, and I am so grateful for that. And that relationship developed over the years. But God wasn't done with me. There were still some things I needed to learn and to deal with from my past and my relationship with my brother, things that I had forgotten about. One morning, about 15 years after I'd had that epiphany that I needed to love my brother and actually started doing it, I had another moment of real clarity in something I needed to do in regards to my brother. In this weekly Bible lesson I mentioned from my church, one week the story of Zacchaeus came up, and you can find that in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus was a short man, and he wanted to see Jesus, but because he was so short, he couldn't see above the heads of the people in the crowd, so he climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus coming down the path and get a glimpse of him. If you're not familiar with that story, Zacchaeus was a publican or a tax collector, and he was one of the most influential ones, and he was very wealthy. The Jewish people resented the tax collectors because they were basically collecting taxes for the Romans, and so they didn't trust them, and the tax collectors often demanded more money, and then they kept part of that and then paid what the taxes were supposed to be to the Romans. And the Jewish people resented that, and they didn't trust them, and they hated them. They looked down upon them. Everybody probably knew Zacchaeus in this crowd, Jesus is coming into Jericho, and Zacchaeus is up in the tree, and Jesus comes up to the tree and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down here. I'm going to come have dinner at your house. And the crowd goes wild. They think, Jesus, this guy's a tax collector. He's a publican. He's a traitor to our people. He's a real sinner. You don't want to go have dinner with him. Jesus doesn't pay them any attention. He goes and has dinner with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus must be honored to have Jesus come to his house because everybody knew of Jesus and he had all this popularity at the time. And partway through the dinner, we don't know what Jesus told him, but partway through the dinner, Zacchaeus stands up. First, he says, half of my goods I give to the poor. And then he said, if I've taken anything from anyone unlawfully, I will restore them fourfold. 
Four times I'll give them four times as much as I took from them. And I always wondered why he said four times. There's actually a verse in Exodus chapter 22 that says, If a man shall steal an ox or sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. There was actually a Jewish precedent for giving four times more than you had taken from someone. And I don't know if that was just part of the common understanding of things, but anyway, that's what Zacchaeus came up with. That's a lot of money. Whatever Jesus said must have really touched Zacchaeus's heart, but Jesus treated him with love and mercy and respect. Again, we don't know what he said, but Jesus must have treated him in a way that Zacchaeus caught a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven was all about and that all these worldly riches weren't nearly as important as what was going on in the kingdom of heaven. So I read this story and I thought, wow, Zacchaeus made restitution. That is so honorable. And then that little seed was planted in my heart. And so I said, God, is there anyone that I owe restitution to? I couldn't think of anything that I had done that I needed to pay anybody back for. And all of a sudden, I remembered something that had happened when I was probably in eighth or ninth grade with my brother. We were both paper boys. Monday through Friday and on Sunday mornings, we went and delivered newspapers. And so at the end of the month, we'd have to go out and collect the money for the subscriptions because people didn't do credit cards like they do now. We would come home, we'd count our money up and everything. And I also was a big coin collector. My brother collected a little bit. He had a few little coin books that he'd put things in, but I was really serious. and I knew which coins I had and which ones I didn't have in my collection. There were these little blue cardboard books, and you'd put a little coin in each little hole, and it told you all these things about how many pennies were minted at that particular year. Anyway, I loved all that stuff. Sometimes I'd go to the bank and get $50 worth of pennies and sort through them all. I was just really crazy about collecting coins. Well, This was in 1971, so it was quite a while ago. But in 1970, the United States Mint made a half dollar that was not put out in circulation. It was only in the special uncirculated coin sets that were sent to collectors for a little bit of a premium price. So these particular half dollars were worth about $10 or so at the time. And I knew that because I'd read about it in my coin magazines. Well, As my brother and I were counting up our money from our collections from the paper route, I noticed that he had one of these 50-cent pieces, a 1970 half-dollar made in Denver. And my greedy little eyes took over, and I started thinking, how can I get John to give me that 50-cent piece? And I was trying to be as cool as a cucumber as I could possibly be. And I said, oh, John you've got a half dollar there I don't have for my collection. And he said, well, I don't think I have it either. And I was trying so hard to act like it was not very important. And I talked to him. It might have been five or ten minutes. And I finally convinced him that I needed that 50-cent piece for my collection because he wasn't really that serious about it. And he sort of started to suspect something. I acted like it was no big deal. And He finally agreed to let me pay him 50 cents and we'd switch 50 cent pieces of something else. Instead of keeping the secret and quietly rejoicing over it to myself, I instantly said, nah, 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 this one's worth $10 and you sold it to me for 50 cents. And I felt really great because I had really gotten this bargain deal. 
The look on my brother's face was pretty devastating. He felt totally taken advantage of. And now, really, it's just a 50-cent piece, but it was the spirit of the way I did it that was really terrible. I never felt bad about that, and then I forgot all about it. So back now, 15 years into the future, when I was asking God if I needed to make restitution to anyone, not remembering this incident about the half dollar at all, instantly God put that in my mind and said, yes, there is. You remember that 50 cent piece that you basically stole from your brother and then treated him really poorly? And I remembered it. So then I thought, okay, what am I supposed to do then? And God said, well, look what Zacchaeus did. He paid back four times and instantly I knew what to do. I found that 50 cent piece that I had bargained for from my brother. I knew exactly where it was in my coin collection. And I found four other 50 cent pieces that I could go and give to him. Now, just an interesting little fact here. The dimes and the quarters were not made out of silver after 1964. But from 1965 through 1970, the 50 cent pieces had 40% silver in them. And so this 1970 50 cent piece that I'd gotten from my brother was partly silver. So I went back into my coins and I found four older 50 cent pieces that were all silver. One of them from the 1940s. I don't remember the exact dates, but I got his original 50 cent piece that I'd taken from him and I found four others completely silver 50 cent pieces. I wrapped them up in a little box or something, a piece of paper, I don't remember. And I went down to his office one afternoon and I said, John, I've got something for you. And I handed him this little package and he opened it up. He remembered He offered to give back the other four 50-cent pieces, and I said, no, no, I told him the story of Zacchaeus, and that Zacchaeus had promised to return four times as much as he had taken. The look on my brother's face was so heartwarming. There was a lot of gratitude on his face, and there was a sense of appreciation for what I had done. And personally, I felt great. And the interesting thing is when God gave me the idea that I needed to give back that 50 cent piece plus four others, there was no hesitation on my part. There was no, oh gosh, I wish I didn't have to do this, but I know I'm going to do it because I'm going to be obedient. There was joy in my heart. I realized, wow, this is an opportunity to redeem myself. I felt such freedom of spirit in my heart. I felt light and joyful and and excited. I could not wait to take this 50 cent piece to my brother and the four others that I was going to give to him as well. It was this wonderful sense of freedom. So that was many years ago, and my brother and I still have a wonderful relationship. We don't always agree on everything, but we talk about it. It's a wonderful, strong, brotherly relationship, and I'm so grateful for my brother. I just wonder sometimes what would have happened if I hadn't taken those steps to be loving toward him. Unfortunately, I hear from people that I know as well as you see things in the news or online where brothers don't get along, families have fallings out. A friend recently told me she doesn't get along with her sister anymore because of some decision one of them made and they didn't agree and they're not talking to each other anymore. That is so sad to me, but I could have easily been there. I made a conscious choice to love my brother I knew I was supposed to all along, but I just couldn't do it. But I realized if I'm going to take my faith seriously and I'm going to say I love God, I cannot help but strive to love my brother. And now it's not a duty, it's a joy.
I hope that you will take this to heart, that if there's anyone in your life that you have a grudge against or someone who has a grudge against you, take the step to express love. Take that next step. It has to start in your heart, and it has to start with prayer. You can't just humanly say the right words, because if the Spirit is not there, it will go flat, and it will make things worse, probably. Maybe you don't have a situation in your life where you're one of your siblings or one of your best friends, you've said something, you're not talking, that sort of thing. Maybe that's not something you're experiencing. Well, maybe you know someone who's having that trouble. Pray for them. Pray to see that love is more powerful than hate. Love is more powerful than indifference. Love is more powerful than hurt feelings and resentments. Love is supremely powerful. And if you have that love of God in your heart, you can bring that love to any situation you're involved in with relationships, or you can share that love with a friend of yours. And if you don't know anybody else that's having that problem, just look at the news This goes on on a global level. Sometimes countries fuss back and forth like my brother and I did when we were in grade school. It's kind of ridiculous. We all need to feel loved. We all need to feel that we can love someone else. It takes work. It takes work to love and to be loved. Sometimes people don't know how to receive love. They don't think they're worthy of it. If you don't have anyone in your life that's in that situation... Pray for someone in the news. Pray for the world. Pray for more love to be evident in the world because that's what our world needs. We all need to feel loved. And we also need to learn to give love and we need to learn how to express it so that others can experience it. That is so crucial for us to be able to function in society and with our family and friends. And we need to love ourselves too. We need to give ourselves permission to accept our own love for ourselves. We need to accept it from others. We need to accept God's love for us. There are all kinds of variations of this love and be loved, both between God and us and between other people and us and between ourselves. Looking back now, I think that's probably one of the reasons that I got so upset with my little brother is I didn't love myself, not in the right way. I was probably pretty full of pride and egotism in my own way at the time. And I know my parents loved me, but I wasn't loving Sometimes we think, oh, nobody loves me. Well, who do you love? Start there. Are you expressing love to someone? And again, this may not be your issue at all. And that's wonderful if you have discovered that God loves you and you love God and you love yourself and you love your neighbors and you accept their love. And I know people that are there, but a lot of people aren't. So if you are there, pray for others to experience that. And if you need that love in your life, Ask God to help you love someone more than you have in the past. And if you need to make restitution, it may not be anything that you took from someone. Like I basically stole that 50 cent piece from my brother. It may be you've robbed someone's joy. Give them back four times more joy than you took from them. And maybe it happened 20 years ago and you think they've forgotten it. Well, I thought I had forgotten all about that 50 cent piece until I sincerely asked God, Is there anyone I owe restitution to? And boy, that came right up. It was not me remembering it because I had totally forgotten it. Ask God how you can be a blessing in this way, either to someone you know or to people out there who are struggling with this issue. And you know what? Your prayers can make a difference 
either in your own life or in someone else's. So I encourage you to accept the love that God has for you and share it with others and to accept the love that others have for you and share it with them. Here's another way that this verse from 1 John 4.20 could apply to people. I had a friend on Facebook, and oh, he talked about God's love, and he would share all these things. And boy, but if something came up on the political opponent that he didn't like, he spewed out venom and hate. The funny thing is that happens between Democrats and Republicans. I know people on both sides of the fence who think the other side is awful and they hate their guts and all this stuff. If you're going to say you love God and you hate the opposing political opponent, you don't really love God as much as you think you do. You can disagree with someone and vehemently not like what they say, but you cannot say you hate that person and say you love God at the same time because in the big picture, those people are your brothers and sisters as well. You have to love those people that you disagree with politically or religiously or racially or sexually, whatever it is, Whoever you disagree with and think you hate, you hate their guts, they're terrible, they're ruining the country, your church, your business, whatever it is, you have to love them if you want to honestly say that you love God and follow Jesus. Jesus even said, love your enemies. This love stuff is not just some cute little ditty that we talk about on Sundays. Love is a down-in-the-trenches, sleeves-rolled-up kind of a thing where we have to actively love those people that we disagree with. As I said, it's okay to disagree, but you have to do it with love and respect in your heart, and it probably will change you more than it will them. But if they feel your love, whereas before they felt your animosity, what a difference that can make. What if Jesus had come all hard on Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, you're this miserable sinner. You're terrible. You take more money when you collect taxes than you should. No, he said, I'm going to come have dinner at your house. In my mind, I can hear Jesus telling Zacchaeus about the joys of the kingdom of heaven and how wonderful it is. And it's not about how much money you have. It's how much love you have in your heart. And I can just imagine Zacchaeus crying, if not on the outside, at least in his heart, like, oh, my gosh, somebody really cares about me. Maybe you don't have a problem with your brother, your neighbor. But if you have a problem with your politicians, start loving them. And that will change the way you interact. And more than anything, it will change you from the inside out because you will be more loving and you'll express that love. And that may actually help them as well. When I started loving my little brother, I don't know that he changed a whole lot, but I saw him in a different light. And so I was different and he responded. And now we have this wonderful relationship that we've had for many, many years. And if you don't have that problem with the politicians, Pray for those people who do have those problems. Just because you don't have a problem doesn't mean you can't pray about it for someone else. So I know I've given you a lot to think about on this love stuff. Love is a pretty heavy-duty topic. And that's what our world needs now more than anything else is a sense of love. God's love for us, our love for God, and our love for each other and our love for ourselves. That's a lot of love going on. Every time we do a little bit more, the world is a better place. Now, if you've been listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast since episode 12, you know that at the first of the year, I had an episode called 20 Ways to Follow Christ in 2020. And each week we're taking the next one on the list. So here's what we're working on this week. It's number four on the list. You can download this on the show notes page for episode 12. If you go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 012, 
you'll see a place that you can click and you can download that list. I talked to a listener just yesterday and they said they printed it out and put it up on their refrigerator so they'd see it every day. I think that's a great idea. So what we're working on this week is, number four, be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and trust God to supply all your needs. And that's from Matthew 5, 6 and Matthew 6, 33. Kind of two verses combined there together. Let's work on that together this week. Be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and trust God to supply all your needs. And as we do that together, as I've said before, there are people listening to this podcast all over the world. As we pray this way together, it is a powerful force in the world for good. So never underestimate the effectiveness of your prayers individually as well as all of our prayers collectively. I want to thank you so much for listening today. And if this is the first time you're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, please subscribe. That way you won't miss any future episodes. The best way to do that is on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you'd like to check out the show notes for this episode, just go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 015, and I'll have all the Bible references that I mentioned today. And one thing I'd really appreciate is if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and let me know what you found helpful. Or if you have something you'd like me to talk about, leave a comment, leave a review. And something else I'd really appreciate is if you would share this episode with a friend. There may be someone you know that really needs to hear this message. And you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Speaks to You. That's pretty much it for today. I'm going to close with this verse from 1 John 4.20 that made a real difference in my life. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? I love you very much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. God bless you. We'll see you next week. 